Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hit it shot. Oh, baby, what a play. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss the latest training camp news and notes. Uh, first, Joe, I, I love this. I mean, how do you not like Patrick Mowens on the field? But another cool off-the-field anecdote. He was telling um, NFL Network over the weekend how he was going to take the wide receivers out for pizza Saturday night, but he was trying to do it surreptitiously so the offensive lineman didn't notice because he was going to take them all on, on Sunday night. So how cool is that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's that's a, that's kind of a thing that quarterbacks have with their line, you know. I was and just going to ask you, Joe. Right, right. You um, know, his line, his line buddies are probably feeling a little like he's cheating on them a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, so a little infidelity there to, I mean, I, you know, because, the, you know, you have to remember that in all of sports, Jeff, I'm talking all of sports, offensive line is the only position group or, or position itself whose sole job is to protect the other players on the field. It's the only job. Like everybody, you know, protects a net, right? They, they, they protect, you know, a ball from going into some sort of a net, whether it's basketball or soccer or hockey or whatever. You protect, you protect things from going from being scored. But football is the only position, is the only sport that has a position where the sole job is to actually protect another player. So in that context, I'd have to say that the offensive line is probably feeling a little slated right now. Because you have to remember wide receivers, they're the beneficiaries of the quarterback's throws where quarterbacks are the beneficiary of the hard work and toil and blood, sweat, and tears that offensive linemen put in. Can you tell I have a little sour grapes about this? Right. A little sour grapes? Like a true lineman. Now, hopefully they're only going to feel slighted for that for that day because they were scheduled to go out for their pizza outing on Sunday. Uh, Joe, do you remember like kind of a traditional thing where the quarterbacks would take you out during during training camp? Wait, well, you know, i got to be honest. We We – Jeff, our training camps were so hard with Coach Schottenheimer. <laughs> there was literally no time to go You're anywhere. Crawl into your rooms, yeah. Crawl back <laughs> to the, as we talked about on our last pod, the frozen tundra of your room, air-conditioned room, and watch, you know, days of our lives and fall asleep at lunchtime and catch a nap. And then, you know, at 1030 after our special teams meetings and, and mandatory snack, that we had at night where you had to have a, it was a mandatory team meeting air quote uh-huh. um, that we would go to bed. Like there was no time to do anything like literally at camp. There was no time. I mean, the only thing we had time to is occasionally guys would go to the local newspaper, you know, variety store and play the lotto and hope that they hit, you know, the mega millions and could bolt from training camp. <laughs> like that's the only thing that we had, that we had time to do. True? Is that true that people would play the lottery? Uh, is that part of the true story? That Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We, we used to, and you know who the biggest offender was, was Dave Lutz. Um, Dave Lutz was, you know, of course I, you know, I remember everybody by their numbers, number 72, one, one of the best guards that the chiefs have had. 
over the years. He was just a you know unbelievable huge, stalwart, huge, huge, right? Wasn't he a real humongous? Player? He was probably one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life who was fully proportioned. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an ounce of fat on the guy's body, but he like here. I'll put it in perspective. His his ankles were the same size as my knees. And like his elbows were the same size as my shoulders. Like everything for him was a like a, a joint, a body joint up from the from everybody else. So like he was, but he, but I'll tell you, if you see, if you saw him at a distance, you'd say, oh, that's a normal looking human being because he was so proportioned, mm-hmm. and he was not fat at all. He was not a fat lineman at all. He was, but he was just humongous, and. Um, but Dave was, you know, I got to play against, play, you know, play alongside of him for for many games in my first two years there, and he retired after the '92 season. And uh, Dave was, yeah, he was. Well, actually, went to the Lions. He went to the Lions mm-hmm. after after that. Um, and uh, but he was a stud, and um, and a big lotto guy. It sounds. But like he was that. a huge lotto guy. Like he was the guy that would like let you jump into his car with him to go play the lotto from the little variety store in River Falls, Wisconsin, and. Um, you know, I think the only payment for him driving you, if you were like a rookie and didn't have a car, was that you had to split some of your lotto winnings if you got a winning ticket. So, <laughs> very fair. Very, very fair. fair. Did you ever split lotto winnings with? I know, obviously, not win the whole, but you know, you have ten dollars. Did that ever? Uh, did, did that ever didn't, happen? Didn't win. Didn't win a cent, man. Didn't win a cent. Even though you know, because that was always our dream was to like walk into like the the meeting rooms the next day you know, after hitting the Powerball, because Wisconsin back then was one of the early Powerball or big, you know, multi-state lotto. Um, and Wisconsin used to uh, participate in that. Um, and they were one of those original states. And we, uh, you know, it was like a fantasy that you could walk into the team meeting room at like eight in the morning at training camp the next day and be like, coach, sorry, here's here's my playbook. And, uh, you know, I just won a mega millions jackpot and I'm out. Like that was like a dream. Like that was like a fantasy we used to have. That's how hard mm-hmm. Coach Schottenheimer training camps were. That you went to play the, the lotto. I'm going to follow up on the Marty Schottenheimer difficult training camps, um, and also, of course, the latest news and notes. But first, because uh, I, I know we, we're going to go on some long tangents, some great stories here. Uh, but first, so we can get our sponsor in. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, you, you mentioned how, yeah, there were no, no time. There was no energy for quarterbacks to take the linemen out for pizza during the Mon- Marty Schottenheimer training camps. You know, it seems like every press conference question I hear during the Chiefs training camp mentions how an Andy Reid training camp is so hard. And, and it is. Like Drew, Drew Tranquil, the new linebacker, uh, uh, on Monday said, you know, it's harder than any of the camps he had previously with, with a lot, the Los Angeles Chargers. They run out a lot of plays. I think the mental aspect, the verbiage is really difficult. But, Joe, I kind of take a little bit of offense on behalf of you guys because your training camps must have been much, much harder th- than this. 
Well, look, Jeff, to, to be honest, it's 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 all perspective, right? It's it's all what these guys are used to and what we were used to. So I don't I don't like sit there. I don't look, I, I've joked about this before, right? I don't want to be one of those ex players that says, Well, I walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, no shoes. Like I don't want to be one of those old timers, right? Like so it's all perspective. And let's just let's I'll leave it at I'll start it with that, right? I'll preface it with it's 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 all relative because that's that's how you know a lot of these players grew up. I mean, even college to a certain degree with a lot of the hitting and you know, like for example, not that you know, you know, not to bring up the Ivy League, but the Ivy League doesn't really even hit anymore um, mm-hmm. during the season. Once the season starts, they don't even have contact. Mm-hmm. They have some 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 limited contact days at training camp, and then once they get into the season, they just find other ways to. Now, with that said, though, Jeff. I'm wondering if if it's if it's you know in some strange way causing a lot of these camp injuries, right? right? If it's if the players aren't used to having full contact in a lot of their lives, whether it's through the season or early on in training camp, like you wonder sometimes if if it's causing more injuries, you know, and the players aren't right. actually in some kind of a contact shape because Look, I'm no physiologist or exercise kinesiologist or whatever. Like, I, I I don't have any scientific background to go with this. But I've been doing, you know, I did physical stuff enough in my life and 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 read up on things to to at least be able to offer an opinion on it. Possibly, is that, you know, I always felt like I was in pretty good hitting shape, and I think a lot of players were. And it would be interesting to see some kind of statistical correlation between the types of injuries that we see now during the season and during training camp that maybe, you know, what it looked like and how many players went, you know, how many in 1995, let's just pick its point in time, right. Almost, you know, 20 or 30 plus years ago. So, you know, if, if, if a player went into, you know, training camp at, you know, if the team went into training camp with 80 guys on the roster, how many, you know, got put on injured reserve before the season started, how many players got hurt during the season. I'm sure some whiz-bang statistician statistician could put those things together. Um, I would love to see it. And I probably fans might be curious too, to think about like, is the lack of contact actually detrimental to the players from an injury perspective and sustaining, you know, either season ending or or long-term injuries that maybe could have been avoided if you were in in better. And I'm going to use this term like an old timer, hitting shape yeah and you i mean we've seen that throughout the league the joe burrow injury so early the jalen ramsey injury which we're going to mention uh joe i wonder if this is accurate because you know i have your your opinion obviously you were in it it's it's so much uh uh, more on target than mine but this is kind of my theory is that the andy reed camp is is difficult for several Mm -hmm. reasons one st joe's it's so you're it's so hot so humid there during the summer. I do think it sounds like the pace, you know, it's really the rapid pace kind of even like, I think even like Bill Walsh that they didn't hit a lot. I think back in those yeah. days, the West coast offense had a great pace. And I think the verbiage is a lot for the plays, but so I think that's what makes it difficult. Whereas you guys, you guys were just hitting so much, having such long practices, you know, like physically, I think yours has got to be, is, is that an accurate breakdown you think of what, I mean, I think yours was definitely harder, but maybe what was harder now, what was harder during your time? 
Well, no, you're spot on, Jeff. I, I think that's what a lot of the players are probably perceiving as Andy Reid's camps being really tough is that the mental aspect of it weighs on you. It, mm-hmm. It's look, football, a lot of people see the hits. Mm-hmm. They hear about, you know, the contact and they hear about the way bodies feel. And now that we're, you know, everybody's watching the show quarterback, they're seeing, you know, some of the physicality, even at a position where I think a lot of fans always thought that quarterbacks had it maybe the easiest, but mm-hmm. it's almost like it's almost like that's flipping the narrative, right? It's almost harder to play quarterback than some other positions because it's constant, right? Mm-hmm. Constant. So I think I think I think what a lot of players in a tough Andy Reid camp are misinterpreting as being air quote tough. It's not so much physically as tough, but being mentally on all the time is just as exhausting. I mean, anybody who's been through mental gymnastics, whether it's studying for a big test or an exam or, you know, something in your life where you've had to think through a problem, imagine doing that whilst getting hit and trying to compete physically. That can be exhausting. And I, I remember that, you know, it's funny you should bring that up, Jeff, because I remember that when we went from Marty Ball in 1991 and 92, my first two years, to having really tough physical, but mentally, eh, you know, mm-hmm. we had like five plays, you know, uh-huh. Christian Okoye to the right, Barry Word to the left, <laughs> play action with Dave Craig or Steve DeBert. Like, come on. Like we, our playbook was paper thin. And, you know, all of a sudden we go to the Joe Montana West Coast offense and man, we, you know, the playbook quadrupled in size. Mm-hmm. It was much more fast p- pace at practice. We actually, um, started using, I think the Chiefs were one of the first teams to do it. We used to use these things called shells. Mm-hmm. They were like lacrosse pads. Um, if anybody's, you know, seen like a men's lacrosse game, like those small, like almost like not quite hockey pads, mm-hmm. but like ice hockey pads, but they were like these foam padded shoulder pads that you would wear that were very light just to keep you from getting dings on your shoulder from helmets and face masks and things like that. And we would wear, you know, uh, we would wear shorts that had thigh pad inserts. Mm -hmm. So the only things that really weren't protected was, you know, your, your knees at that point with an actual pad, you at least had something on your shoulders. They were very light and they could, they could let us go, man. Like those, when we wore shells, Marty expected us to be just like an Andy Reid camp. Boom, 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 Mm -hmm. boom. Quick, 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 quick pace, run a lot of plays, do a lot of mental reps, do a lot of physical reps. And, you know, I remember that. And I remember, you know, and not just to just to go along to get along here. I do remember being pretty exhausted after, you know, those mm-hmm. Coach Schottenheimer, you know, fast paced shell practices where we were running. You know, if, if we had a 20 play team period right against our, our, you know, like ones versus ones and twos versus twos. Like if we had 20 plays in there, we probably ran. 18 different plays like, you know, maybe you repeated a couple that, you know, coach wanted us to rep a little bit because it was complex, but for the most part during a team period, you were running unique plays on every play. And that's tiring to try to remember who, who to block, what, what front to block and, you know, listening for the line calls, listening for the quarterback calls, like trying to de- decipher all that stuff. Every, everybody watching this quarterback show has probably been really, really eye opening for people to hear the nomenclature and the pace at what, what a huddle goes at with the calls and how it's, you know, it, you know, the quarterback might say 10 to 15 different words in a huddle for one four second play. 
And, and that's tiring. So anyway, that was a long answer to a really short question, but I think, I think the, the players do from that perspective in a, in a, in an Andy Reed camp, have it pretty tough from a mental pace perspective. And I could see why they would think it was tougher than other camps because of the thickness of the playbook and the pace at which Andy likes to get plays installed. That was great in, insight and, and a great episode that you referenced in the quarterback when you were all spitting out the, the plays. That was that was really fast. I fast had I definitely had even more respect for this guy since they're able to master all that. Uh Joe, uh some some very unfortunate news that second year cornerback Nazee Johnson was having a good camp, even spending some time with the the ones, but he tore his ACL. Um the Chiefs though actually have some good depth at the cornerback position, all those young rookies who did well last year and the, and the best cornerback, Legereus Sneed. Uh, so sad news for Nazee personally. I, I think the Chiefs uh, right now are, are, are still pretty solid back back there in the, in, the, in the defensive back department. Yeah, I think they're, you know, they, look, they've, they've got good depth, I think, everywhere. I, I think yeah. this team is, is, has gotten to the point now where, you know, it's like, I mean, there's a certain few positions that we know are super – critical uh, to the success of this team but you know they're getting to the point where it's starting to remind me again not to make an analogy to to the patriots of the, the dynasty patriots but you know it's getting to the point where it's like next guy up right? right like which is good right which is that's the attrition that happens throughout the course of a season you need to have everything at your ready um, because you just don't know how it's going to go. It's a physical game and things are going to happen. We're in this new era of, you know, you know, players maybe not being able to go circle back to our original comments. Like, you know, they maybe not, you know, 100% contact ready when the season starts and, and they're going to see their dings and what, whatnot throughout the first couple games. And you have to have that mentality. Now it's like next guy up, but like, you know, of course, there's a certain group of guys that, you know, we know that are very critical to to the success of this team and, and, and missing one of those pieces. But um, you just got to do everything you can to combat that. And, and it really stinks because you hate to, especially when you see players, you know, really stepping up and a second year guy getting first team reps. And, you know, you just you hate to see, you know, the injury thing get factored in. I think you and I said this maybe last year, Jeff, when we were getting ready for training camp and getting ready for the season, you know, let's forget special teams for now and, and not talk about that as like starters, but, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's a whole, that's a whole nother ball of wax, but let, let's, let's think about when you've got, you know, you've got 22 starters, right. And 11 on each side of the ball. I, you know, I would consider it, I would consider your training camp a success if you can come out of it with, you know, somewhere between, nine and 10 of those starters um, oh, on, on the opening day roster. What happens during the season? Again, we can't control mm -hmm. the crazy hits and the crazy body positions that players get put in when an actual live game is going on. Um, but I would say, you know, if most NFL teams could come out with somewhere between 18 to 20 of their starters, air quote starters that they go into training camp with, I think that's probably a pretty good stat. And I think you probably would consider yourself, you know, relatively fortunate or you've constructed a training camp that has given your players the best chance to get to the first game healthy and also get in all the work that you need to get in so that, and here comes that saying again, September is not the new preseason, right? So that's, 
right? We got to. I got to trade. We got to trademark that. But like we, Tony Romo, I'm gonna have to call CBS. (laughs) Your people will call his people. Yeah, exactly. But like, I think, I think if we, you know, if we think about it that way, that if you can balance getting a very productive training camp in with 18 to 20 of your starters opening day, I think, I think that would be pretty successful. Um, you know, look, you can go in with all 22 starters and have a very mediocre camp. Maybe that's not the way to do it. Or you could go back to coach Schottenheimer days and get, you know, have 15 of your 22 starters on the opening day roster. That would not be good either. So, you know, there's that fine balance that NFL coaches have to balance today with all this cap money being tied up in your top players. Yeah. Uh, Joe, and I, I liked some, uh, what you said about the, Patriots comp that really is from the, the quarterback and coach on down. It's getting more and more similar between the Chiefs and the Patriots. And, and another thing, too, I'm sure we'll get, talk about in future pods. I've kind of mentioned before uh, a similarity part of their success, both the Patriots and the Chiefs, the way they've dominated their divisions. Like uh, the AFC East was not very good to the pa- Patriots run. You think of all the turnover quarterbacks with, like, you know, it was before Josh Allen, the uh, turnover they had with the Bills and Jets and, and Dolphins. Um, and the Patriots were able to win that division and get good seating, a lot of home playoff games. Chiefs have kind of used the same formula mm-hmm. in the AFC West. Uh, going back to injuries, like you said, it, unfortunately it's going to happen, and you, you try and get the, the best situation out of training camp to just minimize, maybe only be a couple starters down. Um, and one of the guys who probably would have been a, a starter, and uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, I, I talked to um, an orthopedic surgeon, uh, Dr. Gladstone in Mount Sinai in New York. And he had some interesting things to say. The Chiefs have still not revealed whether um, it's just uh, Tony is getting a trim where he's getting some of the meniscus just taken out, removed, or a repair. Uh, and that's a difference. Like, for instance, uh, we, we mentioned Jalen Ramsey, the Dolphins cornerback, new on the Dolphins this year. He, he got a repair, so he's going to be out until November. Um, and so to, uh, until early November, uh, and th- that's that's or he might even be December. Uh, he was his that's he was injured slightly later than Tony. Tony probably out until early November if he got a repair. If he just gets it trimmed or snipped out, week one is a, a possibility. The Chiefs haven't revealed which kind of surgery, um, but but it's kind of interesting that you would think, well, why doesn't everyone just get it trimmed or snipped to, to be back? faster they think that repairing is better long term just because if if you have like 50 percent of your meniscus removed it's long-term arthritis is is a is a there's a lot of potential for that so something to to bear watching and we'll get a better idea of of that time frame once that's revealed i'm sure the the nature of the surgery but just uh that's probably the z johnson injury very sad but probably the one everyone's most kind of concerned with is the Kadarius uh, Tony. Injury. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he's one of those 22 we talked about, yeah. right. That, yeah. you know, goes in, goes in as a, as a, as a starter into this camp and, and you, you want him, you want him on opening day. And we, we saw the magic that he, he brought to the Super Bowl and the playoff run and, and what he was going to bring and, and getting back to some of that speed that, and playmaking ability that, you know, we had with Tyreek Hill. I think that was what everybody was looking for. And, yeah, those knee injuries are tough. You know, it's, um, you know, what is what is he going to do? You know, is he going to kind of put himself on the line for, 
you know, that back-to-back Super Bowl and try to just play this thing out? Or is he going to look at this? Well, you know, maybe I have six, seven more years left in the league. I'm going to go for the long-term, you know, kind of solution. It'll be interesting to see how he, his own personal beliefs or, you know, kind of belief system plays into this. Um, I'm anxious to see, or I'd I'd be anxious to see, I don't know if we'll ever know, right? Those are private conversations I'm sure he's having with doctors and team physicians Mm -hmm. and, and coaching staff and management and all that good stuff. But he, you know, be, I would be curious to fly on the wall to those conversations or even in his own private life, right. To be a fly on the wall in his house as he's talking to his trusted advisors, right? Like, what do I do here? Do I, do I say, look, I, I really want to win this one back. And I want to, I want to make 2023, 24, like an unbelievable season. And, and, you know, I want to give it my all or I'm like, oh, you know, I, I might have a couple years left. I, I don't know. I, I, for me, if I'm Kadarius, Tony, you know, I just, I guess I go with the day to day and I just try to get back on the field as, as, as quickly as I can. That makes the most sense, right. Without jeopardizing his too much of his future because he has been so injury prone, right? Like if he did, he might just keep kicking that can down the road and never really get to where he needs to be if he doesn't actually start to participate. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's tough. It's tricky. You know, it's think about anything in your life. You know, I'll ask our listeners to think about anything in their life that they have that's an investment or, or you know, something that they like to use, whether it's having a car that they like to drive or a bicycle or a, a piece of lawn equipment or like how you like you treat that thing like, well, I got to use it, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to wear it out either. Right. You know, you know, it's it's like it's it's like kind of like thinking like a car lease. You know, like if you've got a 12,000 mile a year car lease and, you know, you really love driving that car, but you're thinking, God, I, you know, if I go over the miles, I'm going to have to pay extra and, you know, they, I might not have as good a residual value and I can't trade it in. Well, player, like, I hate to say this, Jeff, athletes are like a car yeah. lease. Yeah. <laughs> they're a commodity, you know, they're an investment and a tool and a, and a, and a, they're a product to, to try to get out onto the field and, and use them in a way that is very balanced and um, the same way you would use an investment in your own life. And regardless of Tony's health, Joe, you talked about how the, the Chiefs are such a well-rounded roster um, that they're, that they have good depth pretty much across the board, you know, some areas more so than others. The wide receiver position is going to be really interesting to watch because I think there's a lot of solid players. I'm not sure there's in somebody might emerge. Maybe it's Rasheed Rice, maybe it's Justin Ross, but that, to see who makes the team and who makes the biggest impact is going to be uh, really interesting. They've had such turnover the last two years. Guys like uh, MVS, Valdez Scanling, is like one of the veteran receivers that he's been there two years. I think he might he's tied for like the longest tenured uh, uh, receiver. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see when Tony comes back and how the rest of the receiver uh, group uh, shapes up. I think that's one of the most interesting uh, kind of positional groups, I think, to 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 monitor there. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm really, you know, kind of really excited about it. Um, you know, and then I was, you know, kind of checking out social media. Got to give a little plug for from a fellow Quaker, Justin Watson. You know, I think it was pretty uh, pretty cool that it kind of hit the social media waves that he was uh, he'd entertained some other offers, but. Yeah. You know, he he turned down like six or seven other teams to 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 make it back with the Chiefs. So that's telling me a lot about what 
his private conversations may have been, right? If you just read between the lines a little bit and start to read the tea leaves a little bit, when a player like that does, you know, and here's why, you know, Justin, they must have told him something about what his role would be or what it might look like because, you know, here's a guy that he's already won two Super Bowls, right? He's already caught touchdowns in real games from, you know, two of the best quarterbacks to, you know, that we can think of, right, in Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, you know, you think, I'm just going to take the biggest payday I can get because I've checked all the other boxes. I, You know, I made it to the NFL from an Ivy League school, which is against the odds. He's, like I said, caught touchdowns from two of the greatest quarterbacks that will have ever played the game. He's won two Super Bowls. He's got two rings. Like, if there was anybody that would have said, hmm, I'm going to cash this thing out, yeah. get the – Biggest contract I can, right. so I don't have to work again for the rest of my life. And um, he didn't. You know, he decided to come back. So I, I'm looking at that as a very good sign about what his role was going to look like and how the team feels about him and and maybe how he feels like he's developed over the course of the last year or two in his career and then also the last year with the Chiefs. So I'm really excited about, about Justin. I, I think he's, you know, I know how hard he works and um, – you know, like you said, I mean, just to kind of put a pin in, in what you were saying or cap, put a cap on it, you know, I think they've got a very, very deep receiving core that it's going to be about who's going to step up, right? Who yeah. is going to step up and take Tony's place if he does hang around on the injured list for a while? Uh, what is MVS and Sky's, you know, potential? What is their curve? And I can't think of a better offense to be in. And I yeah. couldn't think of a better quarterback to be at the helm of it if I'm a receiver trying to make my way in this league. Or, so, or a, better, a better coach, really, with Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because they have so many guys, a guy like Justin Watson, you mentioned, uh, so dependable. Uh, and they have a lot of guys, like, they, they, I don't think they have an A receiver. Now, Rasheed Rice might become one. Sky Moore might make that jump in season two. Maybe Justin Ross, he's, he's such an intriguing guy. But they have, mm -hmm. like, a lot of – be receivers. Yeah. Who who yeah. emerges out of that? Who makes the team out of that? We'll definitely be uh, uh, watching that. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go Chiefs! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.